Welcome to Drive Time Marketing. This is where we talk to marketers about what they're doing today to drive results. Drive Time Marketing is sponsored by M Partners. All the tools, resources, and flexibility of a big agency, all the attention and creativity of a boutique shop. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Drive Time Marketing, tips, tricks, and tools to bring your marketing to new and great destinations. I'm Julia Carcamo, and joining me today are Matt Holliday and Craig Chumney of Franklin Press. They're calling in from Baton Rouge this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so I'm going to um, start off this conversation by saying that I almost said Franklin Press because that's how I've always known the company. Uh, but your company has, has sort of um, modernized its approach to printing and direct mail. So I'm going to start off by asking you to tell our listeners a little about yourselves and a little bit about Franklin. Okay, well, uh, we, Franklin was founded in 1922 as a commercial printer. And um, I, I ran another company called Digitrans, which is a data company. And we merged the two companies in, in 1996. And uh, not long after that, we realized we were really a data company that did mailing and printing services. Uh, so uh, we, we did a rebranding a few years ago and decided to drop the word press because our focus is, is more on the database side first and then the mailing. Uh, even, even though the lion's share of revenue comes in from putting ink on paper, we just don't consider ourselves to be a printer anymore. Well, that's, that's very interesting. I guess that um, sort of brings me to an interesting conversation I had with a millennial just recently who uh, said to me, I don't understand why people are still using mail. I mean, you just would think everybody would change to email and digital and SMS. So let's talk about that rumor that direct mail is dead. Well, it's certainly not dead. you know, used in combination with other forms of, you know, marketing, social, email, or otherwise, uh, you know, the products are, are they continue to evolve and get better and better. But our customers are not seeing, uh, you know, declines on the uh, ROI side of direct mail. Uh, they're seeing growth on the email side, but, but really needs to be used in a combination. Uh, the example I like to use, too, is if you think about when you move from one address to another, probably the first thing people do is run out and, you know, they want their mail to catch up to them, file a change of address card at the post office so that their mail comes in. When they get their mail, it goes on the counter and, and has a life on the kitchen counter and stays that way. Whereas email, people are, are constantly uh, getting more and more email, mm. uh, and they're using more and more tools to filter out uh, email. So uh, the ROI uh, or the response rate's not as high, although the ROIs can be good because it's so much less expensive to send out. Uh, we, we are using a variety of technology to combine the two. We can use, for instance, have mail tracking data on the mail side trigger emails around delivery. Or perhaps you have an email campaign that after a certain period of time triggers a uh, a direct mail piece for bounced mail or unopened mail. So there, there's wonderful technology to combine some of the uh, newer technology with some of the older direct mail technology. And, you know, it's interesting. I was reading, um, you know, they've done some surveys recently about response rates for direct mail. And I was actually, you know, certainly I think there's a, there's a conception or a perception that 
um, millennials don't respond to direct mail. But honestly, in the surveys that I've seen recently, the response rates on for the sort of the millennial age groups are as high, if not higher than, uh, you know, some of the consumers in some of the older categories. So I think some of that has to do with that, you know, they're, they're young, they have disposable income, um, they don't necessarily have, they haven't established as much brand loyalty. So they're, you know, they're interested in getting offers and they're, they're willing to sort of uh, take a risk uh, when they get an offer. Um, and also, I think some of that is, you know, that growing up in the digital age, they're more willing to share information necessarily than some older consumers. And so I think there's more data available about these millennials. And therefore, I think that allows marketers to, to do a better job marketing to them. So I think, um, you know, I think some of that all kind of plays into why these response rates might still be you know, high for, for millennials. So. I also saw an interesting test where the, uh, the universe uh, for the test was pe- were people that had requested email as their preference for getting offers. And yet, uh, uh, when tested, uh, the response rates were, were actually better on the mail side mailing to the group of people who said their preference was email. And I found that one to be very interesting as well. So I can speak for myself and say, first of all, that I'm not a millennial, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I do, I do prefer a a paperless option though. I have to say that what happens in that case is that things end up going to the bottom of my, my inbox. I mean, I think I have about, a hundred email messages just from today that I need to read a lot of them that direct mail sort of sort of communication from retailers and things like that. And yet mail is still something I can hold in my hand and stick up someplace to see. So it never really falls to the bottom of something when it sits on your refrigerator or it sits on your counter. Unless of course you let the mail pile up for the week, you know, then, then it does go to the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's tangible. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult to ignore a physical piece of mail than it is to just click the delete button. And, you know, I, I use Gmail for my personal email. And, you know, when they establish the different tabs, you know, the primary, the social and the, the promotions tabs, you know, I think that created a, another challenge for, for email marketing um, in that it sort of takes all the promotional emails and automatically sort of dump those into its own tab. And I'll let those build up and build up, you know, for quite a while and, you know, until at some point I have some free time to go look at them or, you know, sometimes I just kind of go through and delete them. So, um, you know, there's definitely challenges yeah, on, in that respect. When I looked at your website, I saw that primarily your clients are in financial services and casinos. And I've had years of experience in casino marketing and I've sat through thousands of hours of, of research and I've seen customers say they wait for that mail to come. They hold it in their hands. They plan out what they're going to do with their offers and their rewards. Are you seeing that in in other fields as well as in casino marketing? I think the the casino marketing has a leg up in that respect, uh, more so than most industries, certainly not on the financial services side. Uh, That's also why you you see response rates in the 20% or so for drive-in markets and, and, and what have you. Uh, but you know, there is loyalty, but I, you know, I don't see it where they're anticipating the offer. And, and it may just be the nature of they know that monthly piece is coming uh, and know sort of the timing of it uh, more so than anything else. And I think you know, there are a lot of cas- the, the casino market out there has 
you know, has tried to shift or tested sort of shifting some of their uh, direct mail offers uh, towards email offers. And I think they're getting, I think they're hearing from their customers exactly what you said that, you know, they, they want those physical pieces. They're, they're upset. They don't want it in an email. I want that physical piece. I want to be able to bring it in and, you know, scan a coupon or insert it in the, the slot machine. And I think there's something very relevant about the, the tangibility of the piece. So those two industries that you primarily concentrate in, they depend a lot on data. So how is data, and obviously your business has changed because of data. Talk to us about how it's changed, how data has changed direct marketing specifically. You know, I think, you know, if you go back, say, 30 years ago, uh, when the technology uh, started becoming available to personalize direct mail, uh, you know, that's all you really needed to do 30 years ago was to, to make a piece relevant, was to simply put someone's name on it, make it a little more personalized, sign a letter. And, and of course, in the two industries, especially that we're involved in, you know, we've seen it evolve into the collecting of more and more data and, and getting those pieces more and more relevant, which is, the, you know, the name of the game is the relevance. Almost to the point where you know, now we're seeing, you know, there was almost too much data and now you're seeing the tools catch up with that uh, to, you know, mine the relevant information out of the data. And, and so it has certainly changed in, in the standpoint of uh, there's more and more information, more and more relevance. And, and they can be misused in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think marketers are still relying too much on summarized data, uh, more so than, say, looking down at transactional data. Uh, you know, a really simple example of that would be uh, you take a, a property uh, that may have an entertainment uh, venue uh, and they have a midweek function they're trying to fill up. You know, transactional data would reveal, say, 20% of their universe of players for the offer that have never visited them on a weekday. Well, there's probably a reason for that. And, if, you know, if they look at transactional data, maybe they mail 20% less pieces uh, to fill up a venue. Uh, and, and the tools are getting there to, to mine this information and, and to make smarter decisions about how to make these pieces uh, relevant, uh, which is, the, you know, the name of the game. So there's relevance to the content that's, that's in the direct mail piece, but how do you get it to stand out in the mailbox? I mean, you still do get a lot of pieces of mail every day. I went to the mailbox yesterday and I think I got something like four or five regular business envelopes, a circular and, and maybe a flyer from somebody. What are some of the tricks that marketers can use to get this direct mail piece to stand out, knowing that you are spending more money with direct mail than you do for email? Well, I, I think the, the name of the game, there's no one magic tool. Uh, is testing what, what works for someone may not work for someone else. Uh, the, you know, the, obviously, a mail piece design, size of the mail piece. Uh, you know, are you doing a folded type piece versus a, uh, a postcard type piece? You know, I like uh, playing with size options, uh, having a piece that uh, is stacked in with the letter size mail, but is bigger than, say, a number 10 envelope. Uh, so that the piece stands out when, when the edges of the piece stand out. Uh, teaser and tag copy, uh, you know, keeping it simple to where your message is delivered uh, instantly. Uh, and I, and I, I use that a lot on a postcard example. 
if someone, maybe someone's not interested and they're going to throw it away, if they've got a postcard in their hand and your tagline is large enough and simple enough, at least you've delivered your message on the way to the trash can, for instance. But the name of the game is testing and, and you know, experimenting. What are some of the, the, the successful pieces that you've seen? What have, what have they been like? What's, what's been the, the idea that made them different from other pieces? Uh, we're playing with different finishes and uh, reticulating varnish. Uh, we've had some uh, very good success there, uh, especially on the financial services side where they, where they do. And, and on the financial service side, they do a lot more uh, testing and, and they're having very good success with uh, you know, these pieces that are uh, varnished differently and, and, and tend to stand out have a different feel to it. They have a, you know, kind of a soft touch feel to the piece as well. And uh, they've tested very well uh, lately. I think the, the reticulating varnish specifically, which is sort of a, where you have sort of spot varnish to, to accent certain elements of the piece itself, because that's done, you know, in our, our facility, that's done in line on the press. So from a cost standpoint, it's, it's very, you know, there's not a significant cost increase over just a, just a four color offset piece. And you get a really a lot, a lot of bang for your buck. And again, it gives it a kind of a tactile dimension that you don't necessarily get with just a flat uh, piece. So again, we've seen a lot of success there. And we do see, I mean, I think we really do encourage, you can go 11, 11 and a half by six and an eighth. You can go, you know, that high on, on just a flat piece and still pay the, the letter size postage rate. So you're not having to pay the, the additional postage for a flat. Um, again, just, you know, kind of bang for your buck and really giving you the space to, to, to kind of use that tagline and that, that teaser copy. So it's really, it sounds to me like there's a lot of tech, technical things that you can um, take advantage of. And much of it depends on a printer, right? You mentioned, you mentioned the reticulating varnish, which I think is very interesting. I was about to say, we're going to have to put a link in our show notes to your site to explain what reticulating varnish was, but, but you explained it. Um, you mentioned that you do that in on the line, so there's not an additional cost, and some printers may do that as a separate process, right? So, so sometimes it's about the printer you choose, and sometimes it's about knowing manufacturing and printing techniques and understanding what you can still do at a at a cost savings that gives you an impressive piece. So, do you? Is that something that needs a partnership with the printer? Or is that the agency that works on that for for a client? How does that work? How do how do we maximize those techniques? I think I think you know we we always encourage our customers whether you know whether we're working directly with um, the customer or if we're working with an agency to involve us you know as upfront in the planning process as possible. You know some especially on the financial services side some of these the cycles of a campaign are, you know, months long from the inception of the, the campaign through the, the design of the piece, you know, through execution. And, you know, we always encourage our customers to involve us early. You know, we can, in a lot of cases, we can um, sort of give, guide them in a certain direction, you know, if we understand in some cases cost isn't as much of a, of, you know, they, they want to do a very highly specialized, very sort of premium VIP piece. And, you know, we can say, we'll say, look, sky's the limit. Here's what we can do. Um, or, you know, if you're looking to really kind of maximize your budget, here's some options and here's some design elements that you can include that are not going to you know, really break the bank. So I think, um, 
involvement and partnership with your printer and direct mail vendor, you know, throughout the process from the very beginning is important. Um, because you're, you know, otherwise in some cases you're not getting the most bang for your buck or you're having to go back and redesign a piece, which could potentially, you know, kind of delay, delay you actually getting the piece out the door. I'm going to shift gears a little um, because you mentioned email earlier and we know that email is often part of a go green initiative. And I read the other day that there has been a survey that, that a lot of, marketers were using that paperless option in a go green campaign and it really didn't sync up. There's been some, some move to make some, uh, maybe some definition about what's green and what isn't and what exactly the impact is on the earth with, with green initiatives. How, how do you deal with that? I mean, they just seem to be bombarding us. Yeah, you know, and, and certainly, you know, we, we don't really reside as much on the transactional side. So I think, you know, we certainly see it, um, but I think on the transactional side, it is, it's a huge component, you know, paperless bills and, and paperless statements, et cetera. Um, but it certainly, I think, impacts any, any print or anybody putting ink on paper out there. And ultimately, you know, we just, you know, all the information that's out there, again, I think there's a lot of misinformation. Mm. I think they, you know, it's kind of, uh, referred to as greenwashing in a lot of cases. Um, so we, you know, we use our blog and social media outlets to really just share and educate um, our consumers out there about the facts about, um, you know, sort of the green movement. And, you know, the interesting thing is I think, you know, they recently there was like 65 companies that were uh, recently that were using, you know, the green movement as part of their, you know, the paperless uh, environment. And they've since removed reference to, um, you know, inaccurate paper, anti-paper claims as a result of um, some, some efforts by some nonprofit organizations that are really trying to get, you know, good information out there. You know, one of the inter- interesting things is that there was a survey that showed that you know, 85, 85% of people really believe that the people that were, the companies were making these negative green claims were really just doing it to save money. So even though they were out there saying, oh, go green, go green, Ultimately, the, the message wasn't really making an impact on their consumers anyway, because they were like, oh, they just want to save money. So they, they weren't even really t- you know, hitting the right note when they were doing that. I, I have to tell you that I have sat through meetings uh, where paperless options were discussed, and it really was more in the perspective of saving costs more than doing something for the earth. So right. I'm going to claim guilty on that one a bit. <laughs> Well, and I mean, it's the, the fact is that, you know, in, in the U.S., you know, the, our forests have actually grown by 58% in wood volume over the, over the last 60 years or so. That's, you know, that's, and I think, you know, responsibility and irresponsible use of paper has really come a, a long, long way in the last 60 years or so. So, uh, like I said, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there and we just, we share um, and educate with, with any facts that we have out there just to make sure that, that you know, we're, we're talking on the same terms. Well, I'm going to definitely include a link to your blog because it sounds like you've got some really educational pieces that you're including in, in that. Absolutely. And, and you share that through social media as well, right? We do. Yeah. That's great. So let's talk about how Franklin has grown. I mean, uh, Craig, you mentioned sort of the beginnings of it. Um, we, we mentioned a little about how it's kept up with the demands and needs of modern marketing in terms of data. Where do you see the future of print 
direct mail and, and Franklin? Well, you know, we consider ourselves a technology company. So first and foremost, uh, you know, kind of keeping up with the technology, uh, the big shift towards uh, inkjet, digital inkjet, uh, which is coming. It's, it's here now and it's, it's going to be a lot more mainstream soon, which allows you to vary every piece, both in black and white and color, uh, you know, without having to change plates, the old, the traditional way. Uh, which can lead to more segmentation and more subtle relevance of a piece. You know, having pictures of millennials on the millennial pieces, but uh, having different pictures for the older uh, customers and that sort of thing. Uh, and again, we, we put our emphasis then on too on the on the database side, you know, and our philosophy is to help our customers mail smarter, mm-hmm. uh, not just on mining the data on the front end, but you know, little things on the back end, like helping them process their dead mail and lower their dead mail expense, which is uh, an expense they never look at, uh, you know, on the front end of a project. But their mail room is handling uh, dead mail and uh, and having expenses related to that, uh, helping them own that database. And, you know, actually, it's kind of counter uh, productive for us, but we really want our customers to mail fewer pieces, and, you know, to obtain the same result. And then that's uh, sort of how we position ourselves is, is to, to mail smarter. Uh, and it is actually, you know, a targeted tool, not, not a broadcast tool. And we've got, got some exciting technology in, in terms of uh, our web portal handling uh, all the NCOA change of address, ACS change of address, mail piece tracking all in one spot. So we're trying to give uh, these marketers one tool to help them manage the process from end to end. It really feels like uh, there's no such thing as a successful print shop anymore. You have to be a successful direct marketing shop. Oh, I think, I think that's 100% true. And if, if you look at people that put ink on paper, it may not be a direct marketing niche, but the successful printers out there have some sort of niche. Uh, you know, maybe they're sign makers that, you mm-hmm. know, their, their niche is to hang the signs in, in simultaneously at two in the morning at, uh, you know, a whole bunch of stores. Uh, but it's definitely, you know, just putting ink on paper is sort of a dead end now for printers. You have to have a niche. And e- even beyond the direct marketing niche, you know, having the database expertise. And, and that's been the key to our growth is, is, is helping our customers with their data and then, you know, the mail and print sort of follows uh, the data. So the future of print is direct mail and data. Yeah. And I would say, and beyond print, I mean, the future of direct marketing, you know, it's about the data. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a ton of analytics and, and, and data involved on the, on the email side and the social media side as well. Well, I think we're nearing the end of our show, so I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked our other guests to give us one tip, trick, or tool that a marketer listening to this show can put into place today. I would, I would suggest, you know, my, my one big tool or, or tip, um, ACS, which is sort of electronic returned mail uh, or returned and forwarded mail. Um, it's uh, something that uh, is offered by the post office and 
you know, you, you code your mail a certain way to receive your, elect- your, your return mail back electronically. We have a product called Franklin Forward. And, you know, in the marketing realm, you know, people are always looking to use standard class postage because it is, it's less expensive. Um, but unless you're using a, a special endorsement, your standard class pieces, if they're not deliverable, are getting trashed. Uh, now, there's a small percentage of those that actually trickle back just, you know, uh, accidentally through the postal stream. And so I think there's a, a misconception by these, these marketers that, that, oh, almost all of my pieces are making it to, to, my, to my consumers. When in reality, uh, statistics showed about 6% of standard class mail is undeliverable as addressed. So if you use ACS, if you code your mail that way and you include that electronic service requested uh, endorsement, you receive that back for free because, again, if you use uh, a return service requested endorsement, you're paying uh, a weighted fee based on the first class stamp rate. Uh, so it's, it's very expensive to receive back that physical return mail if you're mailing standard class. But if you do it electronically, you receive it for free and you can call your database and save those postage costs and production costs and not mailing and remailing to the same consumers that are never receiving your piece in the first place. So really, uh, you know, looking at, at tightening your budget and increasing your ROI. So that's, I, I really, you know, we're encouraging all of our customers to utilize that technology. That's a great tip. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. We'll have links to Matt, Craig, and Franklin in our show notes and a link to the blog, which sounds so very interesting. Uh, just go find them at www.jcarcamoassociates.com slash drive time dash marketing. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Drive Time Marketing. To leave us a review, visit our website at jcarcamoassociates.com slash drive time dash marketing. Drive Time Marketing is sponsored by M Partners, practicing the science of why. Why walking through your doors is completely different than walking through your competitor's door. Find out more about M Partners at mpartners.com. Until next time, keep driving towards your goals with great marketing.